But that's the cycle that a person will find themselves in if they dabble in, in the sin of the world. And so I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to do that. You don't have to dabble in sin. You don't have to succumb to the idea that we all sin and we all fail. We all, you know, we, we're all going to miss it at times and we can't help ourselves. We're only human. Because Jesus came to set us free from the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and let me show you where that verse is at. First John, so that you have it. First John chapter three. If you don't have these highlighted or underlined in your Bible, you should. Just steal a pen from your neighbor, just grab it out of their hand and just mark up your Bible and hand it back to him. Let me go ahead and just read verse, chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. And you know that he was manifested. That means he, he, was, he was brought uh, into our, onto earth so that we could actually see him. So in the physical, so that you could see him, experience him. He was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. So again, it comes back to knowing him. It comes back to abiding in him, being in him, drawing from him, learning him, learning of him in his ways desiring his nature. God, show me in your word today what you want me to know. Lord, speak to me today. Lord, let there just be a presence between you and me today that I am just drawing from the very presence and the understanding of heaven. Let me see people through your eyes, Father, getting to know him. Verse 7, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. So even John said, there's a deception that's going around, but don't let anyone deceive you, he said. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of of the devil. So he even says, don't be deceived. Th those that practice righteousness are righteous. Those that sin are of the devil. And he goes on, for whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, God's seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So th this is a, a very strong passage. And John is giving us an indicator or an, an understanding that don't be deceived. There will be people that come along and tell you that, that you can go ahead and sin and it's going to be okay. But the word of God says don't be deceived. Those that practice righteousness are righteous. But those that practice in sin are of the devil. And he says Jesus came. He was made manifest to destroy the works of of the devil. So that's good news for us. Hallelujah. And you know what? When we get saved, 
What comes into our life? The Holy Spirit. There's a reason it's called the Holy Spirit, not just the Spirit. Well, if it's the Holy Spirit, and and God chose that particular word holy, that adjective to describe his spirit, then there's something to that. The Holy Spirit. So he's been placed in you to do what? Show you holiness. To reveal to you holiness. To guide you into holiness. Well, if he did that, do you think that he's like, yeah, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, but this is going to really be foreign to you. You're not going to understand anything about this. We're just, I'm just giving you my spirit, but you can't be holy. No, he already told us that we are to be partakers of his divine nature, which is found through his Holy Spirit. So now we have access to his Holy Spirit so we can do what? Walk in holiness. Be led into holiness. And if the enemy, think about it. If the enemy is stronger than the blood of Jesus, then what did the blood of Jesus do for us? Because there there's no other sacrifice that can be made. Jesus' blood is total perfection. His blood covers us, washes away every sin redeemed us from the clutches of the enemy. So the enemy should not have any power stronger over us than what the Holy Spirit provides. And you have that in you at all times. It's not, God, you're, you're you know, away from us, and I'm here, and, and we're just separated, and every day I have to pray that, that you be with me. No, he's with you. His spirit is with you every day. He walks with you. He talks with you. You don't have to go into a, a prayer closet to access him. Prayer closets are good. Time with the Lord is important. But you don't have to, when there's something that comes up, and you need to pray, about it then pray about it now you don't have to say you know what I need to put that on my prayer list uh, for you know seven o'clock in the morning when I when I go into my prayer closet pray about it now talk to the Lord about it right then it says pray without ceasing that means pray at all times be in prayer all the time there are times when I'm, I'm praying as I'm doing other things all the time people come to my mind and I'm like Lord Give them wisdom for that situation. Father, speak to their child. Pull that child back into the ways of you. Send a Holy Spirit-filled person that will speak truth into their life and love them. Sometimes there's families that, that come to your mind. Pray for them. Whatever it is, pray. The Holy Spirit's giving you things at that moment. All right, let's get back to this. Let's turn to Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 1, and I know Pastor Brad uh, talked a little bit about Ephesians last week, being in Christ. Ephesians. This passage is really hard to read without, like, going all the way back to the the beginning of the sentence, because it's like one big, long, continuous <laughs> sentence. <laughs> and it's like you have to keep going back to find the beginning of the sentence. But let's, uh, let's just go ahead and, and, and start at 17. 
117. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Again, he's desiring for us to know him and him be, being revealed to us. You can't become like someone that you don't know. You can't become like someone that, that you've never met, that has never been revealed to you. So you've got to come to know him. And, and Paul is saying here, pray that the eyes of your understanding come open, that your the revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation opens up your eyes to the word and to, to Christ to know who he is. the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. That pretty much covers it. He's over everything, right? He has more authority and power than anything else. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. All things, again, all things, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You might say, yeah, but that's talking about Christ. Christ is over everything. Yes, he is. He is head of the what? The church, which is who? Us. And it says all things are under his feet. What is the lowest part of your body? Your feet. So even the lowest part of the body, the feet, the enemy is under the feet. We are the body of Christ at work. Each person is a member of the body of Christ. And the enemy has been placed under the feet of the body of Christ. So he has no more power and authority other than what we give him in our lives. And how does he do that? Through deception. By deceiving that, that God is holding back from you, that God's way isn't the best, that it's not as fun, whatever it might be. It's the same story back in the Garden of Eden. Same exact thing. Did God really say, God's holding out from you. He, he really didn't want you to have all this wisdom, and he's holding wisdom back from you. If you just eat of this, then you'll know. You'll begin to see uh, good from evil. The thing was, they didn't encounter evil until they ate of that. They didn't know evil. They didn't know sin until they tasted that, and then sin entered into the world. And now what did sin do? It caused shame and condemnation. Is that something that we want? No. So even, even the young kids here today, the, the youth, like I strongly, strongly encourage you, never open a door to sin. 
Because once it once that door is open and you you get a, a taste of that, then that craving and the enemy can come in and try to get you to take that again and again and again. You don't crave something you don't taste. If you've never tasted something, you don't crave it. So if you don't taste sin, you're not going to crave it. But once it's been tasted, the enemy uses that to try to lure you back into it. So it's a harder thing to break. Not that it's impossible because it's not. But what I am saying is it gives him an extra hook to throw out there to tempt you. There are things that the enemy will use even after something's been broken to try to tempt you. In fact, it was interesting. Uh, the other night, because we'd been in revival meetings all this weekend, Brother Ted had, uh, Shuttlesworth Sr. Had, had, was preaching, and there was a, a young man in the crowd, and he called him up. And he said, the Lord set you free from a particular thing. And he said, you walked in that freedom for quite a while. And then one day, you were in this pizza, this pizza joint. And at that moment, that craving came back. And you had an opportunity to, to take a hold of that again. But you chose not to, and you said, no, I'm not going to allow this to, I'm not, I'm not stepping into that again. I'm not allowing that to become part of my life again. He said, you passed the test. And because of that, the Lord is going to call you to preach, and you'll do a mighty work in Christ. Just because the, see, God doesn't cause you to be tempted. God does not tempt. So anytime you hear someone say that, that's not true. Read James 1. God does not tempt. The enemy will try to get you to be tempted. But when you pass that test, God notices. God notices. What the enemy meant to pull you back in, God uses for promotion. Because he sees when you say no. He sees when you, when you turn your back on sin. He sees when you choose righteousness over unholy lifestyles. He sees that. And he says, if, if I can trust them, then I can use them more. I can put more into their hands because they're keeping themselves holy. I can trust them. Let's turn over to Titus. I'm just giving you some scriptures this morning. And I, I really believe what I want to do, because I wasn't sure this morning, but I asked Pastor Brad if I could have this evening too. Because um, I don't want to rush this. And I, I really want to give you the scriptures of understanding now that we can walk free of sin. But tonight, I want to pray over any person that deals with any type of addiction, that has had a, an issue with bondage of anything, whether it's 
something that's held them uh, for years in alcohol, drugs, lifestyles that, that are not considered holy, whatever it is, anything where you feel like the enemy has had a hook and it's been difficult to break and, and it's just like you've been on a cycle and you know that it's been a cycle and, and it, it's like I can't seem to get out. And I want to pray for, for anybody, pornography, anything. So I want to do that this evening. I want to lay hands on you, and I want to break that off of you in Jesus' name tonight. But I didn't want to rush it without going through this, so I think I'm going to go ahead and, and do that tonight. So come back tonight, especially if you, if you need that, and bring someone with you. Uh, just fill the pews, and, and we'll have a, a Holy Ghost freedom session. What I tell you to turn to? Titus. All right, Titus 2, I'm going to read verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's just go ahead and keep going. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with authority. Let no one despise you. Well, that's what, that's what I'm doing this morning. Paul was writing to Titus and say, tell the people that they can live in a way that's holy. And he's like, speak these things. Exhort them with these things. And he says, back in the beginning, at verse 11, he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So salvation comes. The grace of God has given us salvation. If we've been saved, then we've been given the grace of God to live outside of sin. That's what grace is for. Grace is not to cover sin. Grace is to empower you to live outside of sin, to live a life that is holy. It would make no sense, again, to have the Holy Spirit and then have a grace to cover sin, but the Holy Spirit's in you, leading you into a, in a, into a place of holiness. And then, but God's grace just keeps pouring out for you to live an ungodly life. That's a contradiction. Why would God give you grace to live in sin and then give you the Holy Spirit to live holy? That's conflicting. So he says, his grace has come so that we can live holy so that we can live in a way that says what verse 12 teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age Mihi, are you back there can you can you change that version to um nlt or niv
Which version is that, NLT? And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. We are instructed to turn from godless living. Another version says we, we are told to say, or we are given the power to say no to ungodliness. We are given the power to say no to ungodliness. He has given you that power. But again, if you have the mindset that you're defeated, I can't do this, you know, we all sin, we don't have power over this, then you'll come at it with that mentality, right? But if this revelation hits you, no. He has given me the power to say no to ungodliness. I don't have to do this. I don't have to live this way. He's given me the power to live over this. When you have that understanding and that truth, then you live by that truth. You, you no longer are deceived by the way the world comes at it. Well, there's just no way. You're just human. You know, we're all human, so we all just, we all sin. You know when you sin. There's a very conscious effort to sin. Well, we all just, you know, sin in life. Not when we're talking about sins that lead to hell. There are times that, yeah, if God speaks to us and we didn't do that or, or, you know, we missed the mark in our calling or something like that, but I'm talking about sin that leads to hell, sin that will take us down to hell with the enemy and burn in eternity. You know when you make that choice. You don't just slip into sin. Well, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I ended up in bed with that person. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't. I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I had a needle in my arm. No, that doesn't just happen. There are steps that people take. There are things that you just gradually do, and and sometimes it, it it's it doesn't take very long. It can it can start from the morning, and then by evening, it's just. And I was in church yesterday. What happened? Well, tonight, that's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to go through four or five things. I think God kind of added another one on there uh, last minute. So probably five things tonight to walk in your freedom, to walk in your freedom. Five things that you have to know, you have to do to walk in your freedom. So be here tonight to get those because if you do those things, it's going to be hard for you to slip up. It really is. All right, let's, let's finish up with Mark 16. No, let's 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 go to Hebrews. Hebrews 12, sorry. Changed my mind. Hebrews 12. I'm just getting you to know the books of the Bible today. Hebrews 12. Let's start with chapter or verse 1. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we see even in this, let us lay aside every weight and and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So we see here, even Paul says, sin easily ensnares us. So make sure you're casting it off. You're throwing it off. Because once, once you step into that, it ensnares you easily. It can pull you out of the race very easily and very quickly. So he says, make sure that you lay that aside. You cast that off. I have never seen a runner that's ran at track meets or a marathon that goes in with a backpack with water bottles and all kinds of stuff and you know just in case I might need this this jacket or you know I, I might need this and I, you th I think I'm just going to throw a couple extra weights in there just to build up some muscle who runs a race like that nobody what are they doing they cast off every weight they cast off anything that's going to slow them down because they want to be able, nobody win, or nobody runs a race to lose. You never hear someone say, you know what, I'm going to join that race. I'm, I'm signing up for that race, and I'm, I'm exercising. I've been working out because I'm going to run this race, but I want to be in last place. I want to be the loser. <laughs> nobody says that. They're hoping to place at some point to have some sort of good placement. And they sure don't load their, their, their self up with extra weight. They want to go in as light as they can. I mean, they make shoes that are light. They, they, they make equipment. They make clothing to, to help you so that you're, you feel like you're just out there with nothing. Running the race with ease. That's what Paul's telling us here. Lay aside every weight in the sin which easily ensnares us and run with endurance. You know, that's different than a sprint. When I ran track in high school, my very first race, I had it all wrong because I was a long-distance runner. I wasn't a sprinter. And so my first race, I was, I can't remember if it was the mile or the two mile, but I didn't have a personal trainer. Every day, you know, our track coach, he'd just say, all right, guys, get out there and run, you know. And so we'd get out there and we'd run uh, the cross-country track. But it's not like anybody was running alongside me teaching me anything. You know, you just, you go out and you're running alongside your friends and you just go with the speed that they go out and, you, you know, try to keep up with them. But they might be a sprinter or you might be running an, a different uh category and so nobody's there to train you or teach you so the first track meet I went to get on the block ready to go you know the the gun shoots and, and everybody takes off and I'm like oh there's that you know I'm trying to keep up with the first person this is my very first track meet and so I'm trying to keep up with the the number one well by the time I got halfway done I was exhausted because I was trying to come out of the gates too hard. I wasn't running for the long haul. I was running to try to beat that first person that was probably, had, had been running track for a couple of years before me and I didn't know anything about what she knew. So I was coming out of the gates too strong and I got wore down. Yes, I finished the race, 
but I probably did not finish as good as if I would have come out of the gates with a, with a mentality and a stride for the long haul, knowing that, okay, keep this pace. Keep this pace because this is what's going to get you to the end. At first, it might feel like, well, I'm not doing enough. But it's the pace of the long haul, the determination that I will finish, that I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to wear myself down to where that I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm done. I'm exhausted. But I'm in this for the long haul. So I have to set a stride in my Christian walk, principles, things that I put in place to safeguard me. And what do we do? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We'll talk about that more tonight. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Doctor tells his pastors this. <laughs> He's like, you know, somebody comes saying, this is difficult. He says, have you resisted to the point of shedding blood yet? Then get it together. <laughs> you have, there are people that, that, you know, she's like, oh, well, you know, it tempted me. Get it together. You haven't resisted to the point of bloodshed. There are people that, that, that got hung on a cross. There are people that gave their life for the cause of Christ. We've not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. And we must have a mentality that I will not shrink back. I will not shrink back. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Say this morning, God loves me. <laughs> so if there's anything that feels like a rebuke or like, oh, that's a hard message. God loves you. There is not one parent that if they truly love their child, they're just going to say, oh, honey, go do whatever you want. Whatever feels good, whatever makes you happy, just go do that. I just want you to be happy as they go out and play in the road or they go get in the cabinet and, and eat something that could be poisonous. No, you say, no, don't touch that. Don't do that. That can harm you. So God rebukes those that he loves. So anytime you feel like, man, that's a hard word, or the Holy Spirit's really, really just ugh, coming after me on this, he loves you. And that's why he wants to see you live a victorious life. And verse 7 says, and if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, 
we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Again, partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. He, he acknowledges it's not fun. He's like, no, it's not enjoyable to be corrected. It's not enjoyable to, to be rebuked or to be disciplined, but in fact, painful. Nevertheless, has anybody ever heard? Yeah, but it's hard. But I don't want to. I'm sure you've heard kids say that, right? But it's hard. I don't want to. Or if you like have to whip them. <laughs> and then it's like screaming insane throughout the house. <laughs> or I won't do it again. I won't do it again. <laughs> and and it's like because it's painful at the moment, but what does it reap? Righteousness in the end. And a child that will listen and a child that will heed rebuke, a child that will listen to authority. And so it says, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Trained by it. So we must come under subjection to God our Father, the Holy Spirit, what he leads us to do because he's training us to walk in righteousness. It's not always easy, and sometimes it's painful, and that's where we, we can get offended and mad and throw uh, little fits at times, and, and God says, no, don't do that. Understand that I correct because I love. I want to see you walk in peace and righteousness and in freedom and in victory, and this is how we get there. This is how we get there. So God loves you this morning. Be encouraged. God loves you. And he wants you to, to know that, that these things that maybe the world has tried to spoon feed, maybe others, maybe even other Christians have tried to spoon feed and say, you know, we can't do this. There's no way. You have the blood of Jesus. He has redeemed you from every evil thing. And he has given you power to say no to ungodliness. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Minister, can you come to the keyboard? Praise God. I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited to just see lives that are that are transformed and, and just growing from faith to faith, going from level to level. And I believe that God has so much. You know, he says that, that we can't fathom the good things that he has for us. We can't even imagine. And so many times that's why we keep hanging back in, in the world's junk or bad attitudes or whatever it is because we don't fathom what it's like on the other side because we've never been there. We've never experienced that. 
We've only experienced this, and in some way it brings pleasure to our flesh.